Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. And Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I hope the uh, holidays were good to everyone, uh, that you got what you wanted for Christmas, uh, that your team won their bowl game, and uh, that you haven't broken your resolutions yet. Uh, <laughs> um, our, uh, our Not resolution- breaking them if you don't start them, Wes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, our, uh, our resolution to bring you uh, unique perspectives on SEC football remains steadfast. So. Uh, Matt, I know you enjoyed your team's bowl game. Uh, how were the holidays? Holidays were busy. We had a lot going on, a lot of flying around, and uh, but it was nice to sit down and watch some good football. I'll tell you that much, especially good Tennessee football. <laughs> I hear you. And uh, Jesse's doing work stuff this week, so uh, you get a double dose of Georgia fandom leading up to the <laughs> national championship game. Uh, as we welcome back to the show, our good friend, Jason Fulton. How's it going, Jason? It's going great. Uh, thank you guys for having me again. I enjoyed it immensely last time. So, uh, I've known Jason for a long time and he's a big dogs fan, but like myself, uh, he's been tempered into having realistic expectations. I yes. think tempered is oh, a gentle oh, word. Is he, not, is he not one of the, uh, uh, I hate to use the word rabid. No, yeah, I, I would like to. I would like to think that, uh, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, Jason. That you that he is a realistic fan. I am realistically rabid. <laughs> Say that. There you uh, go. I, I was speaking to my uh, department chair the other day, and he's like, "Listen, I got a bad feeling about this championship game." And I said, eh, "Is I'm glad to see you're being realistic." And he said, "No, no, no, no. I lived through the Don years. I lived through the golf years. I know what you look like." <laughs> I'm not getting excited until this thing's sold. And I'm like, you sound just like my buddy, Wes. He operates from the same pretense. Same same frame of mind there. So uh, speaking of expectations, bowl games had many fandoms uh, that gave them reason to have their expectations up, I guess, uh, let's say. Uh, so let's recap each one of those real quick. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. All right. The uh, first bowl game that we're going to talk about is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, uh, Wake Forest versus Mizzou uh, from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Uh, that was way back on Friday, December the 23rd. Uh, this was the one that uh, we got to watch together. That was a lot of fun. I uh, got to hang out together uh, as a uh, pigskins and pageantry crew. Um, so um, interesting. Uh, neither team able to get a ton going on offense in this game. <laughs> Uh, Wake led uh, 14 to 10 at halftime and then scored uh, two more touchdowns in the second half to Mizzou's one. Uh, Matt, I'd like to start with you. What is what is your takeaway from uh, from this game? Well, before we get into my thoughts, I want to give everybody a real quick vocabulary lesson. There's a word that comes to mind when we look at this particular game, and that word is Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, <laughs> if I'm, or, or Schadenfreude, if you want to go to the German pronunciation, is pleasure derived by so uh, uh, sorry pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune and let me tell you <laughs> i took a lot of pleasure a lot of shade and freud uh from watching drinky lose this game um i granted would expect no less my I, I just i can't i don't like the guy that's what it boils down to you want me to be objective i can't be objective not when it comes to drinking 
<laughs> With that being said, um, wow, this game was just not good offensively speaking. Um, I was looking through the stat line, and the stat that really jumped out it was his third down conversions for both teams. Wake was six for 15 on third down. Mizzou was eight for 19. That's a big ouch. Um, so this was a game that if you were looking for offense, you didn't get a lot of it, um, especially when you look at the quarter breakdown. It was not a uh, fast-paced uh, shootout kind of game, kind of like, like what you saw with some others. So, um, yeah, just not a not a not a good good look for Missouri. It makes me wonder if the hot seat's getting cranked up a little bit for Drinky, because um, I think with that loss, they dropped to I don't have the number in front of me. Um, they how many wins do they get this season now? They're I want to say six. six and seven. Yeah, six yeah, I think, seven, I think six and seven is where they finished. Ooh, yeah, that's not it's not good. It's not good. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to camp, uh, how, how they're able to move on from this. I thought Wake gave them a little bit of trouble. Uh, I, I, I was a little disappointed. I thought Missouri put more of a fight and we didn't get it. Jason, do you think, uh, Drinkwitz is on the hot seat? I think it's possible. You know, I watching the game, I, I, I just kept thinking, you know, that um, Missouri is, is kind of like your annoying little brother, you know, mm-hmm. like he's there, your mom mm-hmm. makes you, makes you take him places mm-hmm. with you you know Preach. like you're, you're at the mall you know you're getting some sbarro and you know uh putting the moves on that on that uh, girl from your chemistry class that you really like and then your little brother just shows up to embarrass you <laughs> you know and, and that's kind of like missouri in this bowl game you know yeah. like okay we gotta take them let's go and then you see them just look pitiful <laughs> against a basketball school let's be honest and and they also had the dumbest special teams play I think I've ever seen. Mm. You know, of the rolling punt and you know, uh, mm-hmm. rolling punt. You got like six Wake Forest guys around it, and you know what? I'll run up to it and touch it. That, that's smart. So, yeah, I mean, uh, credit to Wake's defense, but another disappointing performance by Mizzou's offense. Uh, I think we talked about some of the keys before this. Obviously, they wanted to get Brady Cook going and. And Schrader too, and 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 none of them really got uh, into a groove in this one. Um, you know, I think we had some hopes. Uh, Mizzou's offense showed some signs of life down the stretch, but you know, just not enough consistency. Uh, defensive Wake uh, held uh, fairly well, um, and uh, but Mizzou's defense held them decently well, but the offense couldn't keep up. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if Drinky's on the on the hot seat or not. Um, I I don't know. Part of me just kind of feels like it's a little bit of expectation type of thing. If it was a you know a, a more a job with more expectations, uh, I might think so. But I don't know because um, I said the same thing earlier in the year. Um, but I don't know. I think they finished strong enough, maybe <laughs> to keep them happy he's, for a little bit longer. He's sitting at seventeen and nineteen right now. Yeah. And they're paying him $4 million a year to go Midland. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. This is his, uh, hold on, checking. This is his third year. Um, so these should be the kids in his recruiting cycle that have come, in, come into fruition, so to speak. Right. And, yeah. I, I just, you haven't really seen much of an improvement. Uh, five and five is first season, six and seven is next season, and six and seven this season. I don't really see a trajectory going up. It's no. flatlined. And yeah. I don't know if maybe because Missouri is going to have a different set of uh, expectations. Maybe they'll let him sit there for a couple more years. But I mean, they ran, they ran off. Um, didn't, who was there before him? Was it Brome? 
that? No. I can't remember. Uh, Barry Odom was there. Yeah, Barry Odom. Barry Odom had similar numbers, and they they fired him. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, more to follow on that, uh, and uh, you know, we'll see how the spring goes and and all that stuff, and how they continue to develop. But I I, I do agree. It's it's kind of flatlined. We kind of see a little bit of prog- of progression, and then a little bit of regression. That is not not a much not not a lot of consistency. Um, let's yeah, talk I about. Just... I did, before we move on, Wes, I just yeah. looked up Barry Odom's record while he was at Missouri. He yeah. went four and eight his first year, seven and six, eight and five, six and six. Mm. So, so he, he comparable. Went 20, 25 and 25, maybe a little bit better, but not by a whole lot. So yeah, Drinky's right on right on cue there. Yeah. And they and they fired <clears throat> they fired Odom in year four. So yeah, yeah so next we'll next see. next year could be make a break. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kansas uh, versus Arkansas, <laughs> uh, from Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, yeah, so uh, Arkansas won this one, fifty-five to fifty-three, and this was a doozy. If you got a chance to watch it, uh, Arkansas led by as much as 30, 38 to thirteen in this game, but Kansas came back, uh, led them into overtime. Uh, and in the new overtime rules, which are interesting, I kind of uh, I didn't really know that much about them until I sat down and watched this one. But uh, both teams get a chance to score from the 25 in the first two overtime periods. That's not unusual. But the way the new OT rules are in the second overtime, you have to go for two. Uh, both teams successfully got their two point conversions. They both teams successfully scored on their first two possessions. And then on the second one. Uh, the two-point conversion. Then in the third overtime, uh, teams are forced to just start going for two uh, for each possession. Um, so kind of almost kind of like penalty kicks <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> way. Um, Arkansas got theirs and then prevented Kansas from scoring. So Razorbacks win the highest scoring Liberty Bowl in history. Uh, Jason, let's start with you this time. What are your, uh, what are your takeaways from this game? Uh, Arkansas's defense is pitiful. I mean, just pitiful. I mean, you gave up 603 yards total offense, 544 yards passing. Mm, I mean, yes. just, just pitiful. Yeah, and you had what 38 to 13 lead in the third quarter, and yeah. you, and it was you know you couldn't hold it, and and you you're even up by two. You're up by uh 15, I think, with about three minutes to go, and. Hey, look, we're in overtime now. So mm-hmm. just, just pitiful. Yeah, you're right. They they couldn't stop him. Matt, what are your what are your takeaways? Uh, just I'm gonna repeat what he said. I mean, it's just Arkansas's defense was god awful. That's the best way to put it. Um, on the flip side of that, Kansas's run defense was god awful. Yeah. They gave up. Uh, I think Arkansas had three runners that were either over 100 or right before cracking the 100 yard mark uh, in this football game. So both teams just Mm, there's a lot to work on the offseason there. Um, Jalen Daniels went off. I don't remember the last time I saw a quarterback go off for 500-plus yards uh, in a bowl game. Um, usually that's the sort of stuff you reserve for, you know, these out-of-conference games where things get way out of hand. Five touchdowns and two interceptions are pretty good numbers for him. Um, I, I feel like the, overall the game is what it is. They managed to pull out a dub. But seeing as how this is the end of the season, I think we have to call this a letdown disappointing season for Arkansas. Arkansas steamrolled into this season expecting to competing for the SEC West, and it, it, it didn't happen. We didn't even get remotely close to that. So I'm wondering, is next year going to be a bounce back, or are we going to see more of the same? 
you know, talk, talking about uh, Daniels, you know, he, he did the 544 yards on only 37 completions. You know, that's mm-hmm. he's so that's he's averaging four, 14, 15 yards of completion. So it's not that's, like he's just, you know, throwing little bubble screens and yeah, that's chunk plays. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's good. Yeah, that perspective, Matt, is is good uh, when we think about the expectation that came into the season for Arkansas. Um, I mean, you know, they were a dark horse to win the conference this year after their success last season. Yeah, yeah, we and saw them finish. It never came to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Last year there was uh, su- such uh, high hopes, and and then this year uh, a little bit of a step back. Um, yeah, I, I just agree with with you both. Uh, disappointed in the Arkansas defense, uh, but I guess if you've got KJ Jefferson on the other side, who can throw for two touchdowns and run for two, I guess that kind of makes up for it a little bit. Um. Ultimately happy for him and uh, Sam Pittman. Uh, I did uh, love watching this Arkansas team kind of grow through this stuff. I mean, yeah, it wasn't pretty, uh, but they did uh, they did grow uh, some during that uh, that stretch there. Um, I've been impressed with how they fought through adversity, uh, including injury. I mean, let's not forget that they have had their injury was this year as well. So. Um, let's move to the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Um, that's uh, Texas Tech at Ole, versus Ole Miss from NRG Stadium in Houston, um, Texas. Uh, Texas Tech won this one 42 to 25. Uh, nobody picked Texas Tech, so no point, uh, no point here. Um, yeah, Texas Tech just like scoring at will left and right here with no real answers from Ole Miss uh, at any point in this game. Um, ultimately, this one was kind of decided early uh, because of that. Uh, Ole Miss cut it to 10 with about three minutes left, but Texas Tech scored again, put the game away. So, uh, Matt, your, your thoughts, what are your thoughts on this game and just sort of how Ole Miss finished? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and pull a Jesse here and say, Oh no, baby, what is you doing? Cause that was, that was yikes. I just don't understand what's going on at Ole Miss. You know, they, they've lost four straight at this point. Um, and that, the word that comes to mind is slide. You're talking about a team that was limping into the postseason and then just got drop kick uh, by by Texas Tech, and they didn't have. And just like you said, Wes, they had no way to you know get in the end zone. They couldn't score at all. Um, that offense, which was very prolific last year, um, was Jekyll and Hyde this season, and we got to see Hyde uh, in this particular game. Um, five turnovers in this game for Ole Miss. It is really, really hard to win a ball game against a quality opponent when you turn the ball over five times. If you don't believe me, ask Tennessee in 2017. Um, but listen, that's that's not that's not good football. And I'm not sure what ever since the news that Kiffin may be going to Auburn came out, things have been kind of wonky mm-hmm. in at Ole Miss. And I'm wondering if if the kids have kind of lost a little bit of confidence in Lane. Maybe I'm over overreaching a bit on that statement, but it's not a good look for Ole Miss, um, and I'm wondering what, what it's going to look like going forward because that's a heck of a slide um, when you've lost five straight or four straight and you don't really have any way to compete against a mediocre, let's be honest here, a mediocre Texas Tech team because they have not blown it up in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, Ole Miss fans are, are not happy with the finish of the season. Uh, Jason, your thoughts? Well, you know, just just reiterating the thing uh, with Ole Miss, I, I I just I pulled up their schedule because I, I was just curious, and you know they they lost I think five of their last six. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the only the only bright spot is they you know snuck by Texas A and M, but you know once you know they were so highly touted 
and highly ranked, and they got to LSU and just got walloped, you know, got by Texas A&M barely by three points, and then faced Alabama, and then that was it, and mm-hmm. they were just done. Um, you know, and, but as, as far as the Texas Bowl itself goes, they turned the ball over five times. Yeah. You know, I, you, you don't win if you turn the ball over five times. It's just – it's – Goes against all the logic, you know. And you look at things like the first downs were, were even. You know, uh, Ole Miss actually outgained Texas Tech, but they turned the ball over five times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <clears throat> that's really kind of been the story for a lot of this season, especially when we've watched them struggle. Is just the inconsistencies. Yeah, they've been able to, you know, put up some numbers here and in, in, in there, and, and as you would expect a, a Lane Kiffin team to do. Uh, but just that um, secure ball security is just, you know, paramount. And, and they weren't able to do that for a lot of this year. Um, Kiffin's taken a beating in the media about how they finished. I know a lot of you, you mentioned uh, ever since the, the rumors came out about uh, taking other jobs. Um, it does seem like things have taken an odd turn. Um, and I don't really know what to attribute that to, because if there's nothing to the rumors, as he says, then then why is it a big deal? I, I I don't understand why that would change his approach at all. But yeah, I mean, do you guys remember when Ole Miss was seven and zero and inside the top ten in mm-hmm. the AP poll? I mean, we were talking about uh, yeah, we were talking about them uh, them representing the West this year, and 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 those se- those days seem long gone now. So mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't know. I really as an Ole Miss fan. I, I don't know where to go from here. Like, you know, a lot of seasons you have closure in the sense of, oh, we're improving or, oh, man, we really need to work on this. If I'm an Ole Miss fan right now, I really don't know what to think. <laughs> I'm like, right. what, what did I just watch? <laughs> you know, so uh, so we'll see. We'll see how they bounce back next year. By the way, can we take a minute to 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 clap it up for the Big 12 in this bowl season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow, they have uh, – <laughs> You know, we we spent most of the last five years doing everything we could to crap on the Big Twelve and said they're not even a Power Five conference. We we may be wrong. Well, as I say, they, <laughs> Texas uh, and Oklahoma haven't looked fantastic, so they they may not be shedding a whole lot of dead weight there. Yeah, I mean, they got a chance to shock the world in uh, a few days, so uh, we'll we'll see. It's gonna happen, but one can. I'm just saying, it's there. The opportunity is there anyway. Uh, all right, next is the uh, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Notre Dame uh, versus South Carolina from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, South Carolina got up by a couple of scores early, but uh, couldn't pull away. And this one, Notre Dame hung around, seized the momentum in the second half, despite Carolina getting a second pick six in the fourth quarter to tie at 38 all. Uh, Notre Dame settled down, marched down the field in 12 plays, 80 yards uh, to take the lead 45 to 38, which they held. Um, Jason, what were your, uh, what were your thoughts? I know, uh, for me personally, I was really kind of interested to see how Carolina would hold up against a team like Notre Dame. What, what were you, what were your thoughts? Yeah. You know, I, I, I was disappointed. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I like Shane Beamer a lot. So I, you know, kind of pulling, pulling for him, not necessarily the Gamecocks, but for him. Right. And just, you know, it, it just, it just seemed like there were the entire game. They were kind of right on the edge of, of, of moving away and, and winning it. And then just every time they just fell flat on their face. So. Right. Well, I, Jason, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, Matt is a huge Shane Beamer fan. As a matter of fact, 
<laughs> Beamer ball is one of his favorite phrases. He can't get enough of it. So, wow. Matt, what are, <laughs> what are your thoughts? I, I want to state it unequivocally for the record that I am in no way, shape, form, or fashion a fan of Beamer ball. Uh, I was okay when his old band was doing it because it was funny and cutesy in the ACC. And I was like, oh, look, they're so, yeah, the precious. It's so precious. <laughs> yes. Now it's just annoying and I hate it and I want to die. So there is a distinct difference. Um, uh, I, um, I, I, I will go out on a limb and say I was impressed that Carolina's gotten to where they are. They've shocked a lot of people with the, with the spread they've had down the stretch. However, finally, the South Carolina voodoo ran out. Um, and you ended up with Carolina not able to pull this thing off. Uh, we have spent also a lot of time. I feel like we spent a lot of time crapping on people, Wes. Maybe we need to change our attitude this year. <laughs> Maybe next season we need to be a little bit more positive. Um, but we spent a lot Positivity of time crapping podcast on, with yeah, we, we spent a lot of time <laughs> crapping on Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's got some pretty good wins under their belt this season. Um, Carolina goes into this game without a lot of key starters, um, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, Jaheim Bell, Austin Stogner, a whole bunch of guys that they're missing. And they went toe to toe with them for four quarters and just came up a little bit short. Um, so this is, this is something to be, you know, if you're a Carolina fan, um, all six of you, I'm sure that you're super, I'm sorry. I've got to the Missouri fans have turned it off. The Carolina fans are next. Um, uh, so, you know, if I'm a Carolina fan, I'm pretty, pretty happy with eight wins. Um, I, I'm probably a little disappointed we didn't get to nine, but eight's good. Um, I feel like this is a program that's kind of trending upward. Uh, my only issue from an optic standpoint is I need Beamer to chill the heck out on the sideline. Um, yeah. Because there was one point in the game where I don't know if it was a if it was a 12th guy ran on the field or they botched a call or I don't recall what it was, but Beamer went absolutely haywire. And I think he ended up getting a 15 yard penalty on the case. And it just, I don't know if it's the fact he's, you know, I don't want to use the word petulant child, but that's what it looked like. Um, it, it looked like a five-year-old throwing a tantrum and screaming because they weren't getting a lollipop. Um, and again, a lot of that stems from the fact that I don't like Shane Beamer, but the other end of that is, you know, I'm not sure what that kind of what that tone sets for the rest of the team, because if you start doing it, the next thing your guys are going to start throwing their hands up every time they get something wrong. It's just not a good look for me. I don't like it. But again, it's not my football team. Y'all are welcome to do as you wish. Yeah, hey, lollipops are good. <laughs> Seems to kind of work for Brian Kelly. He's uh, he, 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 uh <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> he goes off on like every play anyway. Um, yeah, so um <clears throat> was pulling for the conference against Notre Dame. Uh, but South Carolina, I don't know that they're necessarily ready for this type of, uh, this type of game. Um, I know There's they had a lot of exposure with this particular game. I mean, there were a lot of eyes. For on sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, as, again, like you said, they're going up against that. Regardless of what you think about Notre Dame, it's the, it's the name, it's the brand. And so when you get put in that situation, you know, the eyes are going to be on you. Um, if we look at the stats here, it's, it's really kind of, mind-boggling that Carolina was even in this game. They gave up over 500 yards of offense mm -hmm. and they only rushed for 65 yards as a team. Um, just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, a testament to, to their resiliency that they were even in the discussion here at the end. So a uh, great season overall for, uh, for South Carolina. Uh, however, they, I know they won their bowl game last season, the, the Dukes Mayo bowl, but uh <laughs> 
but uh, you know, hey, I, I think there's something to be said for this one. Uh, the feeling is that they're kind of on the ascent, I, I believe. Uh, and they had some big regular season wins this year. So, you know, Utah, uh, yeah. kudos to them for uh, for a, a good season. So, By uh, the way, Wes, if I can interject for a moment, yeah. if you're a Gamecock fan, you might want to rein it back in just a hair because do remember that your offensive coordinator left. So he, he went to go take a job at Nebraska. So Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how that's going to affect play calling and all that stuff going forward, which they weren't lighting it up at the beginning of the season, but they kind of hit their stride near the end. So that's something else we're going to have to keep an eye on for next season. Yeah. Uh, Next is the Capital One Orange Bowl, uh, Tennessee versus Clemson from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Uh, Tennessee won this one 31 to 14. Uh, I got the point in this one. I don't know that I've been doing a good job of saying that. Anyways um mac got the one the point in the last one uh so um yeah let's see uh yeah so matt i I know obviously you uh you followed this one quite closely what is uh what is your summary what are your thoughts well i can tell you the vols came to play in this one um you know tennessee comes out in the opening quarter and kind of flounders and i think it was a five game five play drive they end up punting the ball away um and then Clemson starts moving the ball down the field. They go for a field goal. They miss it. Um, Tennessee gets the ball again. They go off on another punt. There's a lot of back and forth in the first quarter. And finally, Milton finds Brew McCoy uh, a few drives later and makes you score 7-0. At that point, you ended up with this, the ball scoring again. Jamari Small, Jamari Small, excuse me, steamrolls in the end zone. Clemson finally hits their, their uh, field goal after their fourth attempt. Um, they missed three straight in this game. I don't remember mm. the exact stat, but they had like – 17 trips into no not 17 that's not that's too high i think it was seven maybe six i don't remember there was a lot of trips into the tennessee uh end of the field and they did they came away with zero points and that had a lot to do with how this game turned out mm-hmm. um so finally going into the half you end up with it being 14 7 couple back and forths again with some punts and whatnot and tennessee scores uh again makes it 21 6 and then at the end of the third i was like okay things are going well but then clemson finally found a way to score and my bat, my battered ball syndrome started to flare up, and I was like, "Oh dear God, I've seen this story before. We're about to see Tennessee collapse like a flan in a cupboard." Luckily, Clemson did not do that. They threw two interceptions on their last three drives, and you ended up with Tennessee putting this thing away. Um, this is the first time that Tennessee has won the Orange Bowl since 1939 uh, against Oklahoma. They had two other trips, one in the 90, uh, 1997 where they got absolutely demolished i think by michigan i think that was they had a chance to win national championship that year and didn't um and it, i can't remember the other one. i think it was in the 60s but this is a big win for the program um the orange bowl is you know up there with the rose the cotton the sugar bowl this is one of the big bowls that when you win you get really excited about it and a lot of tennessee fans are super excited about it the merch sales have been through the roof is what i've been seeing on ball twitter so everybody's real happy um, there were a lot of doubters going into this game because Tennessee was out J- without Jalen Hyatt. Hendon Hooker is still, you know, he's gone too. Uh, Cedric Tillman's out of this thing. And a lot of people were thinking that, you know, Milton isn't going to be able to throw to anybody. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. He had a big 40-plus bomb to Ramel Keaton. Squirrel White went absolutely haywire in a couple drives. Um, there was a couple of other ones. Brew McCoy had a touchdown catch. This was a, 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 a welcome-to-the-show kind of, exhibition for the Vols because you got a, a chance to see who those next generation of wide receivers were going to be. Now, Brew and Kamel and all them, they've been there all season, but it's nice to see what the rest of the wide receiver core looks like um, with Hyatt and Tillman 
uh, off to do bigger and better things. Um, the other big takeaway from this game is I want to give kudos to Clemson's quarterback, uh, Kate Klubnick. I, I thought he looked pretty good. He showed a lot of moxie, a lot of toughness. He took a couple shots. Um, his jersey was all kinds of janked up by the end of this game. And, I, you know, he did a great job, I thought. He did show those signs of being a freshman. This was only his second career start after the ACC championship game against North Carolina. So I thought he looked pretty good, all things considered. If I'm a Clemson fan, I feel pretty confident he's going to mature. However, I do not need to see Cade Klubnick's mother or father ever again. <laughs> they cut them every other second when, t- when uh, Clemson had the ball. I was like, where's Joe Milton's parents? Can we show Bazooka Joe's mom and dad? Where are they at? Because we sure didn't see them, but boy, they showed they Kubik's mom and dad. I feel like every thirty seconds during that game, it was uh, it was yeah. um, crazy. By the way, speaking of Bazooka Joe, uh, he wins the MVP. Shows that you know he's going to be dangerous next year. Um, there were a couple times there where he would miss some, uh, you know, a couple of spots where things weren't exactly pretty. But he's fixed a big problem that we noticed. That big forty-plus yard bomb to Ramel Keaton. He's mm-hmm. put a little bit more touch on it. Now, if you watched Joe Milton last year, he had zero touch in his game. None. Mm-hmm. Zero. Zilch. Nada. This game, he showed a little bit of touch, and it's looking like he's going to progress really good. Yeah, he didn't really he well. didn't have the uh he didn't have the nickname overthrow Joe for, for no reason. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. He, I, he only I, had like one or two <clears throat> in this particular. Yeah, game. he had a couple that were <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. Let's, and also yeah. for uh, for historical accuracy, I think um, uh, we need to remind the folks that uh, Peyton Manning was not on the 1998 <laughs> yeah. national championship he, he, team. He was not. He was so. He was in Indianapolis in 1998. So yeah, he, he was. was he was involved enjoying in that NFL paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. They. So. I, I don't know who they got doing the uh, <laughs> doing the, the graphics at ESPN, but I. I do hope somebody got a strongly worded email from that. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on the Orange Bowl? Well, you know, you're talking, talking Matt, about the uh, missed field goals for Clemson. He missed that, that kid missed three field goals in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They were all in the first quarter. So, you know, if, if you know, uh, Clemson can capitalize on a couple of those chances, it, it might have been a different game. But, you know, truthfully, looking at the stats, it kind of does not match up with what I saw, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Because my attitude watching the game was that, that Tennessee was making Clemson look pitiful, you know, and, and, and they're really bad. But then when you look at the stats, you're like, well, Clemson had more, you know, 14 more first downs. You know, they, they had, had the ball had the for ball a lot longer. They, they had, had the ball at 36 minutes to 23 on time of possession. Yeah. They had more yards of, of total offense. Tennessee's but, not big on first downs. They just yeah, like to score. but I, I, I never <laughs> – I think, I think Clemson had like – they ran like 103 plays in that yeah. game. So oh, wow, that's yeah. on brand for Tennessee football. Yeah. Yeah. For, but, but sitting there watching that game, there was – at no point did I think Clemson had a chance to win. Mm. I You know, and, and now admittedly I'm – not a Tennessee fan, so I'm not, you know, but just watching, I was like, this is, you know, Tennessee's right. got this, so. Right, yeah. I'm glad I mean... you felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> I sure as hell didn't feel that way until about midway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> Understand. Yeah. Understand. And I wonder how, I, you know, I, I 
probably speaking out of turn here, but to me, this is almost possibly kind of a, a changing of the orange guard, as it mm. were. Mm. Don't put that rat poison. I'm in not. The, in I'm the, not. In the you know. Way. Hey, don't you bring but that rat poison in w- here? When we look at Clemson and we see that the Dabo, the the Dabo isms that have become more like Butch oh, Jones isms. <laughs> is the longer he stays at clemson the more like have you noticed that he's just he's morphing into butch it's weird um it's awful but it's definitely a great game uh, and season overall for tennessee uh clemson had some uh, some losses and some struggle wins this year and so from that standpoint i do say that it does seem like we're watching two teams on two different trajectories is really kind of all i mean by that um yeah, and and then as you said, Matt, uh, great point. We kind of got a, a glimpse of Tennessee's offense next year uh, with with the way things went in this one. Uh, we all we already know Joe Milton can throw it a mile, but like you said, uh, what what about touch and, and and accuracy? And I think he showed that in this one. So uh, we'll see how he continues to develop in the off season, and uh, and we'll see how that goes next year. So and that's going to hey. be an interesting off season thing too, because you know Tennessee got the number one quarterback in the class. Uh, Nico, I'm not going to try how to say his last name yet. I haven't learned that part, but mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a player and it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work with the back and forth between Nico and with Joe. I think Joe will end up getting the starting job just because he'll have the experience. He's already, he already knows the program. Um, but you know, Tennessee is looking, things are looking better than they've mm-hmm. looked in a long time. Yeah. Jason, you had something else? Well, I was just going to say, you know, the, uh, this, this year's Orange Bowl is the most appropriately named bowl probably of all time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move to the All-State Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Kansas State from Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, uh, Bama won this one 45 to 20. Matt got the point here. Uh, Kansas State jumped out to a 10-0 lead. And Matt, I think you're even texting the group with the little grimace mm-hmm. face. You're like, ooh, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, but then Bama scored 35 unanswered uh, points after that as they just utterly dominated the rest of this game. So, um, Jason, uh, what were your what were your thoughts on the All-State Sugar Bowl? Well, you know, on, on the plus side for uh, Kansas State, they uh, they made it to the game on time. <laughs> uh, their uniforms look really nice. Um, you know, and then you just you're watching this game and and, you know, it's like, oh, well, geez, you know, they're up 10 nothing, And then you saw that touchdown pass, make it 10-7. You went, oh, here we go. All right, mm-hmm. Alabama's there, ball game. <laughs> you know, and then Alabama goes on a, uh, I think, 45-3 to run right there. You're just like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Bama right. does what Bama does. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Matt? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I called this. I said this was going to happen. However, Bama didn't decide to make it happen until – you know, mostly up until the second quarter. Um, Bryce Young continues to show that he is a human cheat code, uh, just like other certain Bama quarterbacks that have existed before or been in the position before. Um, it's just a question of how bad they're going to beat you, and Bama's going to beat you bad um, if they get an opportunity to. And this is a Kansas State team that couldn't, couldn't hang in the second half. Um, again, do I think Bama should have been in the playoff? No. I'll also go out on a limb here and say that I don't think Bama should be ahead of Tennessee when the final AP rankings come out, but we'll see how that's going to pan out. Um, But again, another statement win for uh, Bama and Nick Saban, Uh, the sugar bowl kind of voodoo that was, we, they, we were worried going into this game. I feel like that's kind of been 
put to the side. So, uh, yeah, quality win. Another another 11-win season for Bama and another win for Saban, and we just keep racking them up. Yeah, I'm not not necessarily surprised that Bama won, uh, but it was just how they won, right? Like mm-hmm. like we said, they just dominated after that. You know, it's kind of like they had to, to wake up there at the beginning, and then uh, after they did, just uh, all, all bets were off. Uh, Kansas State came into this game mostly intact, and you know, like like we said in the past, in, in some of these Sugar Bowl games, the the Big Twelve teams they're they're gunning for the SEC and looking to make that statement. Uh, they're bringing their best, but Bama just controlled this game uh, in an impressive performance. Um, and you know, Bryce Young, if he wasn't a top pick in the draft before, um, I think this just kind of sealed it. Uh, you know, uh, five touchdowns uh, on the day for him. So. Um, I don't know um, <clears throat> if Nick Saban talked him into it or, or, or what what the deciding factor was there, uh, but uh, I think that's going to only help him in the future. So, I think the last time I saw someone run a mock draft, they're saying Bryce Young is a top three pick. Regardless if he's the first quarterback, he probably will be the first quarterback to go. And the, I also saw a couple articles that said that he'll go first and then Will Anderson will go second. So mm-hmm. it's, oh, wow. it's that's probably what you're going to end up seeing. Um especially considering the Texans, I think, are going to be the yeah. first pick. Um, mm. And they're probably going to be looking for a quarterback. And then I think Chicago's second pick, and they're probably going to be looking for a defensive tackle. So um, our defensive end, excuse me. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. All right. Well, um, next is the uh, Transperfect Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Kentucky. Uh, riveting game <clears throat> from Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Hold on, Wes. Time out. I'm going to uh, throw this out there. The Music City Bowl sucks. Continue. <laughs> yeah, Iowa won this one 21 to 0. Um, the way things worked out, uh, Jesse and I were tied no matter even when we did the uh, the math and all that stuff. Uh, so since these are worth two, we just uh, split it. Each one of us gets a point. Um, so, yeah, Dustin Wade got the start for the Wildcats in this one at uh, quarterback uh, with Will Levis sitting out. Uh, and it was a rough one. It was a rough start for old Destin. Uh, Joey Labas, uh, uh, Iowa's third string quarterback who had zero career attempts, uh, pass attempts before this game, uh, through the lone offensive touchdown of the game. <laughs> the other two were pick sixes by the Hawkeye defense. So um, not a lot, uh, not a lot of offense going on here, Matt. What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? <laughs> Oh, I, I hate to do this. I've crapped on Kentucky. I've crapped on Missouri. Or sorry, crapped on the other team. I got to crap on Kentucky. We were not expecting a lot, and wow, did you disappoint us! <laughs> Holy cow! Like I remember, I didn't have a chance to watch this one. I remember looking at the stat line, going, "Are they still playing the game?" I mean, aside from that second quarter, there was zero scoring. Punt. Punt. Punt, interception, punt, punt, yeah. interception, fumble, interception, just, just god awful football. Can you imagine paying money to watch that mm. as a Kentucky fan? Mm. Just, that's awful. That's just something just on a different level of bad. Um, we knew Will Levis sitting out of this game was going to be no good, um, and it's just just one of those things. You knew that you know one of the few stars that you have in Kentucky stars um, is Will Levis, and if he wasn't going to play, what are you going to have? By the way. Huge stat here that I don't think I've ever seen in a college football game. Iowa goes 0 and 11 on third down uh, on third down for this game. 0 and 11. Mm. They went 0 and 2 on fourth down. 
all their ball movement came on second down. There's a reason why they only scored one touchdown. And I think that was probably on a short field. They, I don't think they ended up having a long drive. It's just awful football. Awful yeah. Football. And the, uh, the over under on this one, I think was the lowest uh, ever uh, since they kind of been Holy keeping man. track of that stat and it actually didn't make it. <laughs> I think it was like 10 under, I think the over under was like 31 or something. I think my, what my pick seven, nothing. Iowa. Did um, I, say seven, I, I can tell Iowa? you. Let's see. Let's scroll down. I think, to... I think that's what I said. Which means if they don't throw those two pick sixes, I'm, I'm, I'm in the money on this one. But <laughs> yikes, that's awful. Just yeah, awful. you, you said, you said ten to three. Ten to three. Ten is what you said. Okay. Yeah. So I was close. Yeah, man. Just, uh, just a hideous game, Jason. Your, your thoughts. You know, um, um. Uh, Comedian uh, Louis Grizzard once described a football game as watching two mules fight over a turnip. And that's kind of <laughs> what this game was. <laughs> I mean, this is just, I mean, both teams had 10 first downs. I mean, just, you know, Kentucky only had 185 yards of offense for the entire game. It was just, oh, dear Lord. Uh, I, you know, if I if I was forced to sit down and pay money to watch this thing, I'd have probably hurt myself. Just, <laughs> I mean, uh, that was just bad football, man. So this is one of those where, as a, as an SEC fan, you're kind of like, and look, I get I get that people were sitting out and stuff, but as an SEC fan, you just sort of you're like. Look over here. Don't look at that game. That's yeah. That's <laughs> we want you to look at this game over here. It's just it's not pretty uh, because of all the variables in the, in the offense. Uh, my pick in this game was just like a shot in the dark. And honestly, I think this game just kind of proved nothing uh, about either of these programs. Uh, <laughs> like I don't even know what what any kind of takeaway would be. Uh, and I mean that in the most benign and kind of ways uh, because uh, you know you got a lot of people sitting out. Um, and then, uh, like I said, Iowa, they had their third string quarterback who's never thrown a career pass before. So, um, it's just, uh, it's just an interesting game. Uh, hey, Kentucky it, can focus on basketball now. That's right. That's right. And they can, they can continue to <laughs> argue about they that. They may not want to get too excited about basketball. <laughs> I think they've had a couple bad losses this season already. We haven't even gotten to conference play. Well, hmm. yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's move to the CFP semifinal at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, uh, Ohio State versus Georgia from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in, in Atlanta. Uh, AKA Georgia, Cardiac Special. Oh, gosh. Uh, Georgia won this one 42-41 to 41, uh, at the uh, very last. Um, and uh, Jesse got the point here. Um, yeah, so um, just a, a recap here. <clears throat> after Georgia's missed field goal at the beginning and then subsequent Ohio State touchdown, I think it was kind of important to bounce back after that first touchdown. Uh, Georgia was driving, uh, and but took a sack, and then on the very next play did a quick tunnel screen to uh, McIntosh to tie it up. Um, the refs missed a false start to uh, on Ohio State at the end of the first quarter. And, of course, that's you know, me, a Georgia fan, talking. But ultimately, Georgia gave up the touchdown to end the drive. Uh, then Stetson Bennett underthrew his receiver for a pick, which Ohio State quickly cashed in for another touchdown on a scrambling pass from C.J. Stroud. Uh, Darnell Washington also seemed to be banged up on that play, on that interception play as well, wasn't able to come back into this game. Uh, Ohio State led uh, 21-7 at this point. Georgia responded with a drive capped by a tough 11-yard touchdown run by Kendall Milton. 
Uh, after forcing an Ohio State punt, uh, Georgia goes right back down the field, scores on a three-yard touchdown run by Stetson Bennett. Uh, also, it could have been a much larger touchdown run by uh, McIntosh, but the uh, turf monster got him. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, what in the world? Pick up your feet, kid. <laughs> anyway, that uh, that tied the game 21-21. Uh, Georgia kicked a field goal uh, to make it 24-21. Then, in just an embarrassing display of defense, uh, Georgia gave up pass after pass, including a long touchdown pass to Johnson. Uh, so it was 28-24, Ohio State at half. Uh, Georgia got the ball in the second half, but went three and out. Uh, Ohio State uh, took advantage of Georgia's inability to get home on the quarterback once again and passed it down the field for another score, 35-24. Next time Ohio State had the ball, Georgia held them to three and out after and after a good punt return to the Ohio State 32. Couldn't convert as Podlesny missed his second field goal of the game, a 52-yarder. Uh, Ohio State took advantage of a weak Georgia secondary and marched down the field once again and kicked a field goal after a vicious hit, albeit clean. And that is, it was a clean hit. It was, it was rough, but it was clean on Marvin Harrison Jr. Jarred the ball loose on a potential touchdown. Georgia then, I see you, Matt, already. Georgia then <clears throat> put together a decent drive, aided by an incredible fourth down conversion by Brock Bowers, uh, managing to stay in bounds and stretch the ball across the line. That ultimately came out of a review uh, that the first down did, but still Georgia could only get a field goal to make it 38 to 27. Georgia called a timeout before a fake punt conversion by Ohio state, uh, probably the biggest timeout of the year, maybe of, I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that timeout really, uh, really helped them out because uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was also 12 guys on the field. I believe there was something, uh, something to, uh, to do with that. Uh, as well so kind of two bullets uh avoided there uh the uh, the missed um the missed penalty and then also ohio state would have scored or i'm sorry they would have converted the, on fourth down there um but then uh after ohio state punted it for real bennett found arian smith wide open for a 76 yard touchdown after the defender fell uh ohio state uh, tacked on a field goal to make it 43 35 with about two and a half minutes left in the game Bennett led uh, Georgia down the field and threw it to A.D. Mitchell in the corner for a touchdown to go up 42-41 with the extra point. Uh, Ohio State then drove it down methodically and positioned themselves with a chance to win on a field goal that would take place uh, at the stroke of midnight. And it went wide left and the dogs held on to win. Um, I don't even know where to begin here. Jason, uh, what are your thoughts on on this crazy game? Uh a really emotionally taxing day for me. Uh, Ohio State is my dad's favorite team. And mm-hmm. so I have to say, as I was watching this game, I was uh, you know, thinking about my dad a lot. And um, just, But also, the game itself is just crazy. Um, Georgia's pass defense is pitiful right now, um, just, just to be honest. They, the yeah. last, you know. It didn't look good in the SEC championship game. Yeah, right? exactly. And it – you know, and it looked it looked probably worse on uh, you know this past weekend. Although Ohio State probably has the, you know uh, one of the best passing attacks in the nation. So, but just back and forth and back and forth, and every time you thought Georgia might be getting back in it, they got Ohio State came back. And but the the one thing that to take I, I took away from it though is they didn't quit. They just they kept they kept going. 
uh, were down, for, you know, down by 14 going into the fourth quarter, and that they were able to, to you know, to, to kind of keep going and, and, and pull out the win was was uh, great. Um, I, I think they might have got a little lucky uh, with the missed field goal because uh, that wasn't even close, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it had the leg. It just, it just. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he was just, you know, wide left. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so um, very happy that Georgia won. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff to clean up. No doubt. You know. Matt? Um, first off, I want to go ahead and say that Ohio State, I gave you one job. One job, <laughs> and you couldn't even do that. Um, this is – I just don't understand, like, what – just. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, if this is a situation where everything was setting up for Georgia to take the L here. Um, I mean, Ohio State goes on a like 11 play, six minute drive in the fourth quarter um, to put this thing away. They get it to long field goal distance, but still makeable field goal distance um, and, and couldn't finish it up. Um, Georgia survives. They get to go get a chance to play TCU in the national championship game. Um, uh, Bennett, how Bennett had almost 400 yards in the air. Um, in this game, CJ Stroud had almost uh, 350 yards in this game and four touchdowns. So, I mean, this was a high scoring, high scoring peach ball. Um, a lot of this was a good game. Um, a lot of back and forth as far as that. You saw really two powerful offenses going at it, and and Georgia, um, finds a way to survive. By the way, Wes, let's go back to the Marvin Harrison hit real quick while we can yes. talk about that. I want it stated unequivocally for the record yeah. that hit was 100 clean 100 thank you it was a heck of a hit and, and and i'm telling you that as someone who who has so much hatred and vitriol and just low down just bleh, about uga and even i could say okay that was a heck of a hit but it was clean he went in with his shoulder and that's unfortunate for marvin harrison but that's the reality of the situation when you play a high contact sport um, the other thing that I caught out of this is, yes, this game was a lot of back and forth. This was a high-scoring game. It was fun to watch, yada, yada. Well, it was fun for people that weren't directly involved. Um, <laughs> but this is this is a microcosm. This game and the Michigan State uh, Michigan uh, TCU game tell you exactly what we're going to get in a few years. This is a high-stress situation. This is drama coming out every pore. Just take this and then bring it out to the rest of the playoff when we finally get to it. There's a reason why this game and the Michigan TCU game were so exciting to watch because the stakes on it were so high. And I think that's that's going to lend more credence to that concept of let's get more people involved in this um, and let's get more teams involved in the playoff. And again, this is an Ohio State team that got absolutely boat raced by Michigan uh, back in no, uh, mm-hmm. back in November. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't even look anywhere close to as bad uh, against Georgia. And this is a Georgia team that, you know, has been boat racing most everybody they played. And then this situation with Ohio State, I just, this is the reason why you need a playoff. This game, the Michigan TCU game, the Tulane USC game, the, um, uh, what was the other big bowl game that everybody was shocked by? Um, it's not coming to me now, but you get my point. Yeah. My point is, is we need, we need more teams in the playoff to get more of this drama, more of this excitement. This is what college football is supposed to be. Well, we we just had a, a, a listener um, respond to one of our Instagram uh, questions and 
was just saying about how um, how bowl games suck now. Everybody's sitting out and blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, if there's playoff games, you're not going to see it. Yeah, I was going to say you're not going to see a lot of that. Um, so you take you breathe new life into bowl games with playoff games. Yeah, I, 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 I can't wait. Um, yeah, for this for this game, uh, I don't like I said, I don't even really know where to start with it. It was a wild one. Uh, Matt, you know, uh, I, I I texted you guys. I, I about uh, I about gave up and went to bed about three times in this game. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because uh, when, when I'm just looking around, Ohio State is just throwing like, you know, 30, 40 yard chunk plays on Georgia left and right with just, you know, no end in sight. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it, when you watch that, it seems pretty hopeless because you're like, well, the, well, defense is not going to stop anybody. But uh, thank goodness the offense didn't go away um, and, uh, and and did what they needed to do. And uh, Bennett, you know, stepped up, showed his uh, maturity uh, as a as a 30 year old man and, <laughs> uh, you know, just did what needed to be done. So, um you know, I, like you said, um, and, and we'll talk about this later, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of exposed Georgia once again uh, on this, especially the, on the secondary uh, we, we've got. And I really appreciated uh, Kirby's uh, post game uh, attitude and how he responded to the questions on, on the field reporters and stuff like that. He made it clear that he was, you know, proud of the resiliency of, of, of the team, but he also made it very clear that we had a lot, we got a lot to clean up too. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's nice to win, but goodness, I, you know, Ohio, I think he even said Ohio state may have uh, played better than we did as well. I mean, you know, there's just so, so many uh, aspects that could that need work and, uh, and, you know, you can guarantee that this, this week, uh, what they're able to do uh, will be done. So uh, let's move to the ReliaQuest Bowl. Uh, it was Mississippi State versus Illinois from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Uh, uh, Mississippi State won this one 19 to 10. Uh, I got the points in this one. Uh, really, uh, you know, obviously we were pulling from Mississippi State in this one because uh, of uh, Mike Leach and all that stuff. Um, not a ton of offense in this one. Uh, it was uh, 7-3 Illinois at halftime. Uh, State tied it on a uh, touchdown pass from Will Rogers to Justin Robertson uh, early in the fourth quarter. And then uh, at the uh, very end of the quarter, uh, they took the lead with uh, four seconds left on a, a Massimo Biscardi field goal. Uh, but then the game just had a wild finish uh, when Illinois did the, uh, the lateral game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, resulting in the uh, fumble. Uh, which uh, was returned 60 yards for a state touchdown by Marcus Banks. Uh, there was also some shoving afterwards as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Matt, what were your what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I can tell you, I I got to watch the tail end of this one. I came in probably midway through the first to the second quarter, um, and it, it was a good game. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, if you were looking for offense in this, you didn't find a lot of it uh, up until the fourth quarter. Uh, Mississippi State turned it on like a crazy amount in the fourth quarter uh, to come up with that win. Um, And this was what we wanted to see. We wanted to see Mississippi state win this one for coach Leach. Um, Obviously he passed back in December. Um, And this is something that we were wanting and it's exactly what we ended up getting. Um, Kudos to Illinois though. They did not make it easy on Mississippi state at all. Um, Again, it's really easy to crap on the big 10, but they put out some good teams this season as well. Um, and Illinois' defense is nothing to turn your nose up at. I think they were leading in a lot of different statistics over the season. So that would explain why Mississippi State didn't score what they usually do. 
Um, that being said, the fisticuffs at the end, um, and I texted this to the group when it started to happen. I was like, guys, why are we doing this? Like, I get that people's emotions are up and I get that, you know, things happen, but it's just, it's not, it's not good to see that crazy, exciting, fantastic play at the end and mm-hmm. then have it spoiled. Cause you know, a bunch of guys decided to go all, all, you know, me punch you with the kind of situation. And it just, it's not a good look. I didn't like it. And if you looked at the, the look on, um, Mississippi State head coach, who I forget his name off the top of my head, um, he was definitely not having it. Um, he was pretty upset about it too. Belima looked like he was pretty aggravated about it as well. So kudos to the coaches to kind of step in and shut that down as quick as they did. But um, good win for Mississippi State. Now we get to find out what the post-Mike uh, Leach era is going to look like in Starkville. Um, Zach Arnett is the coach. Thank you. So yep. the Arnett era in Starkville is going to be uh, something we're going to have to see how it goes because they went ahead and pulled the trigger on hiring him as head coach. Um, we don't know what we're going to see, but it's starting on a high note. So, yeah, well, it's, it's very uh, going to be very odd though, because you go from a very, um, you know, um, innovative offensive mind, like Mike Leach to the defensive coordinator is now at the helm. How does that change things? Well, I don't know. We'll see from an offensive standpoint, Jason, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, you know, I, I, I got a good chuckle at one point um, at the end of the first half uh Mississippi State kicked off to Illinois. Illinois ran the ball back to, I think, got to about the 40, 45-yard line, and uh, time ran out. And so uh, Illinois challenged the, <laughs> the clock running out. So they did the review. They, were, they found that they were right. You got two – hey, guys, you got two seconds here at midfield. And they ran the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> You know, why, why go to the trouble of challenging if you're just going to, you know, all right, good, we won one, cool. Yeah, but, right. um, you know, just, just overall, just just happy for uh, Mississippi State to pull to pull out that win. Uh, it would have been very easy uh, for them to just kind of come out there and just lay down and just not want to be there. But, yeah, to their credit, they didn't. They came out there and played and fought hard and, and got the win, so – and Illinois about near pulled that crap off at the end with that with that uh, with that, <laughs> that bunch was... lateral fest that ended it ended up being it was that was an exciting play it was fun to watch yeah yeah, yeah it was the 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 band was running onto the field no. oh, uh, but uh, yeah you know if you believe in such things I, I have to believe that Mississippi State had a little extra help from above in this one um, you know they. They didn't have a lead until four seconds left in a, in a game in, in, in dramatic fashion, uh, you know, befitting, you know, Mike Leach, right? So, I mean, it's just – it seemed like it just uh, kind of meant to be type of thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move to the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, uh, LSU versus Purdue uh, from Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Uh, LSU won this one 63-7. to seven. Uh, yeah. I got the – point in this one uh by the way um florida state won the cheese it bowl and lsu won the cheese it citrus bowl so how much money are they making off those little cheesy crackers but man? does Lord, that they, make they could the, sponsor too does that make the uh, game between the two at the beginning of the season does that prove who's feeling the cheesiest <laughs> <laughs> Oh. sitting on that one all day haven't you no i can't take credit for that one that's the saturday down south thing i think but uh oh God, I hate you know uh, lsu scored 
it didn't matter who was in. It didn't matter who was the quarterback in this one. They they scored left and right. Uh, if this was a regular season game, you know how we have the uh, quote unquote non competitive games slash blowouts. Um, this would be in one of those, yeah. and we probably wouldn't even talk about it. But uh, as it, as it is, uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on the on the cheese at Citrus Bowl? Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of one of the again. I'm I'm going to reuse my old my old joke. Uh, Purdue showed up on time. Yeah, and uh, then they left. <laughs> I mean, that j- just yeah. complete and utter domination by LSU. Just, yeah. I mean, that was yeah, non-competitive. You know, hey, congratulations, Purdue. You got a week in Orlando. Yeah. There you know, you go. Just, Probably got some uh, camping world. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, some cheese it, uh, some cheese it swag. Yeah, perhaps uh, got some boxes of cheese it. You know, they got some cool flavors too. Yeah, hey, those cheddar jack cheese it's are. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, they got the spicy ones, the Tabasco ones. <laughs> got some uh, some bacon. I'm sorry, Matt. What you got? I don't have anything to say about this game other than I'm disappointed that Purdue laid this bad of an egg. Um, mm. You know, Purdue finished. I think. Second, no, they won the division. They played in the Big Ten. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um, I mean, they went eight and six on the season, and then they come up against an LSU team, which no disrespect to the LSU fans that are listening. LSU didn't do a whole lot up until about halfway through the season. I mean, Tennessee ran through them like crap through a tin horn, um, and you didn't really expect much out of them after that. But then they turned it on, and sure enough, they, they looked good going uh, down the stretch, got a chance to play in the SEC championship. Um, and then, you know, that didn't pan out. So they get the Citrus Bowl uh, as, as consolation prize in the SEC. Um, and they just absolutely wore out Purdue. Purdue didn't stand a chance in this game. I was looking at the stat line. Purdue didn't actually even score until four minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's that's that shows you right there what LSU's defense was able to do to this Purdue offense. And it also tells you what the trajectory of this program is right now. Ten wins on the season, um, which is – Pretty good compared to where they were last season. Yeah, you know, typically you get a Gatorade bath, uh, but he got a cheese it bath. Brian Kelly did, um, and I, I saw him uh, grab some cheese its off the uh, off the turf and 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 take a bite. <laughs> That's an awful decision. Yeah, I don't know, it, it was I don't a decision. I don't. I don't know what's more disgusting: uh, being bathed in cheese its or the. Um, Mayo, yeah. mayo oh jeez! Did, did you see the look on Loxley's face when they dumped yeah. that mayo on him? Uh, I'm like, if that's me, man, I'm just like, God, I I do not want to do this at all. Especially because Duke's mayo is not even good mayo. Yes, yeah. Jesse, I said that. <laughs> you yeah. know, oh, go ahead, Wes. No, no, no. You know, just just kind of an overall, not necessarily uh, cheese it bowl related, but just just watching the entire bowl season in the SEC. The SEC is really a top-heavy conference. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you have Georgia and Tennessee and LSU and, and Alabama that are quite good. And then I think beyond that, though, it really kind of mediocre. You know, <laughs> I mean, because you have – I think the SEC went six and five in, in their games this year. And mm-hmm. some yeah. some of those losses, they look just were just bad. You know, yeah. uh, Florida looked horrible. Florida, Kentucky yeah. looked horrible. You know, uh, Ole Miss and Missouri were, eh. yeah. You know, so it's just, you know, I, I don't know that the SEC is now is still the elite conference from top to bottom. They're lead up top, and the bottom is 
Mm. Right. Something. Yeah. Well, the Big 12's the conference that made a lot of waves this yeah. season, I feel like. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Well, but, with the exception of Kansas State. Uh, yeah. With the exception yeah. of that. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at a situation where the Pac-12 didn't look awful. Um, the Big 12 looked pretty good. The Big 10, aside from a couple of things here and there, didn't look too bad. Um, and, yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, so, I, you know, I don't I don't have anything to say about this one. But, yeah, I mean – Bowl season was interesting. Um, I do agree about the top heavy thing. Um, it'd be nice to, to kind of pick up some of those. Cause like we've said in the past, um, you know, uh, some of those stronger teams, uh, like a Florida, um, like a, uh, well, even, even in Arkansas's case, it makes for, you know, a stronger conference and a stronger case for your conference. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. It, it, things continue to, uh, evolve though. When we're talking about things like, uh, NIL, and transfer portal stuff. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'll so see. Kentucky's already made some waves in the transfer portal. Yeah, they've already plugged holes at uh, quarterback and fixed, running back. Fixed, fixed issues with the, with the transfer portal. Transfer portal is a whole other kettle of fish that we're not still sure what that's going to look like. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gets more and more every year uh, in terms of overall numbers of uh, people going in, into it. So, um, that does it for the bowl games, the current pick standings. Uh, I have 53, Matt has 47, Jesse has 29. It is possible. So with the last game, the last game is worth six points. So it is possible that we could tie, which means that we need to figure out a tiebreaker, Matt. Oh, uh... we need to, we need to go ahead and have that lined up. So just in case. I think um, we would just go score differential on the championship game, right? I I, I guess. Well, but, that, the, but then that's that, that's kind of, of what we're yeah. using to, yeah. So yeah. maybe something else like um, I vote foot race. Yeah, I was just thinking an <laughs> athletic. <laughs> uh, what did what did Jesse Jesse text? Because we we're we had it in the text group. Jesse said something about um, uh, Olympic Olympic event, some some Olympic yeah. event or something like Wes, that. Wes, I tell you what, yeah. we can do is is I come over to your house. Yeah, we can hook up the Xboxes and we can do Halo. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that would that would take care of it right there. there you go. We can live stream it on Twitch. <laughs> there you go for all the cards. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, um, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into a, a, a very small news segment. Here's the news. <laughs> All right, so uh, in, in just a really strange turn of events today. Uh, we got news that Jimbo Fisher has signed uh, Bobby Petrino to be his offensive coordinator, who, who just took a position, didn't he? Didn't he New just Mexico, take it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah he so, just got hired at New Mexico. Yeah, so just a few weeks after being hired, uh, Petrino uh, takes a, another job offer to be the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M and will take over play calling um i think that's that's actually a faster turnaround than when he abandoned the the falcons but yeah (laughs) that's that's true yeah um gosh i I don't really know what to say about this one other than um a a shady coaching staff just got a lot shadier (laughs) or at least a little bit more um look you know I, i get people change but it is just it's just kind of funny um i think uh i think jimbo definitely needed this i think people are growing tired of his play calling. Uh, obviously this year, uh, the offense was anemic at, at best, I think. Um, so, I mean, we'll just kind of see how, what kind of turn this takes here. 
but I think pretty much anything would be better than last year, right? I mean, what do y'all think? Um, as if you needed a reason to hate Texas A&M more than uh, <laughs> to go pull this one. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, yeah, if if you're if you're Jimbo, you got to do something. Yeah, and you know, um, you got you got to have somebody to to take. I, I guess the blame off of, off of yourself. Cause you know, cause it's, Cause, it's, cause it's sooner, not been good. Cause sooner or later, and we talk about Jimbo's uh, buyout, but uh, he has to position himself sooner or later where he, you know, he can't just do mediocre every year and continue to get away with it. So yeah, I agree. What well, Texas A&M, you know, in the state of Texas has too deep of a talent pool. Texas A&M is spending too much money on their program to be just mediocre. And, right. and that's what Jimbo's been. Not just mediocre, but we talked about this year, A&M was historically bad this year. Like yeah, you got to yeah. go back to the seventies to see a, a record like that. Matt, what are your thoughts on this hire? I, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how in the world they're going to get a, a staff room big enough for both the egos. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I, uh, <laughs> no disrespect to, to Bobby Petrino, but this is this is a cat that when he I think when he was an assistant coach, he was known to be brilliant. He was also a very good uh, offensive coordinator when he was one. I'd have to go back and look at his coaching record. I don't remember exactly where he was. But then the whole thing, he was at Louisville and then at Arkansas and then with the Falcons. And then there was a neck brace and a motorcycle accident. And just there's so much baggage here. Like if if. If you look at like the SEC West right now, um, you've got this situation going on with Petrino and Fisher and just all the rancor that's around <laughs> that. You have Auburn and the situation that they found themselves in uh, uh, with Hugh Freeze. Um, right. Mike Leach just passed, so now you've got a little bit of uh, a destabilizing force going on there. Ole Miss looks something. We don't know what's going on with Ole Miss. The only team out West that looks like they're somewhat stable right now is Arkansas, LSU, and Bama. Everybody else looks like they're all over the shop. So I don't know how this is going to work out. I personally think this is Jimbo Fisher hiring someone to take the fall, hmm. either next season or the fall season guy. after. So that way he gets a couple more seasons under his belt before they can finally pull the rug out on him. Um, I just don't see how this is going to work. I don't, again, Jimbo's going to give up complete control of the offense to, to Petrino. I just don't, I don't see that happening. Um, now I could be completely wrong. Petrino could come out and completely revamp that offense and get him clicking like a cylinder, but my, I, I don't think it's going to look good. I, I, I don't, I don't foresee it ending well either way. It's kind of like they watched uh, uh, Jimbo watched uh, Auburn hire make their uh, hire of an inappropriate, uh, you know, historically inappropriate. Beer. Yeah, he's like, hold my beer. Let me see what I can do uh, here. <laughs> so uh, we're, we'll we'll have uh, those does, those games are going to be interesting. That that's our next that's our just for fun segment at the beginning of next season. Wes, who does uh, who or in the pre in the spring after we do recruits is who does Hugh Freeze have to hire an offensive coordinator? to outdo Poppy Petrino to Texas A&M. Yes. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, um, there, uh, let's go ahead and get to the, uh, the only upcoming game uh, of, uh, of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. 
All right. Uh, the next game and the only game left is the CFP National Championship rep, uh, presented, not represented, presented by AT&T uh, Monday, January the 9th at 730 from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, home of the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Superchargers. <clears throat> so um, a couple of preview topics. This will actually be a 430 local start. Um, uh, SoFi Stadium has already said that they will not be allowing any tailgating. No, there'll be no, uh, no RVs, uh, oh. parked outside either. Um, Georgia is currently a 12 and a half point favorite. Um, Georgia and TCU have met four times in the two programs histories, including two bowl games. The most recent meeting was back in uh, 2016 in the Liberty Bowl. Um, that was Kirby's first bowl win with Georgia, I believe. Uh, Georgia won 31 to 23. Um, Jason, let's start with you. What is your, uh, what is your prediction for the hmm. CFP national championship? Oh, geez. Um, you know, first off talking about uh, Georgia and TCU, one of the first Georgia games I ever went to in Athens was Georgia and TCU back in 88, I think, hmm. but, uh, just that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I, I just, just talking on the text chain about the, uh, with you guys about the, uh, you know, no tailgating. That's a, that's a win for TCU. Uh, you know, because uh, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia Bulldogs fan. And so I, I, I gotta say, that's gonna make it a little less rowdy in there, but um, I am very excited about this. Um, you know, I, I lived um, in my life, the first 16,092 days of my life. Um, my team won the championship once. That was the 95 Braves. And so we're now sitting in about in the past 428 days or so, uh, the Braves and Georgia has won a championship. And now it's possible that Georgia is going to win a, set, a back-to-back. Um, so I don't know if emotionally I could take that, but I'm willing to risk it. Um, <laughs> but o- overall with this game, I I don't know. I, I, I really don't because because what I, what I see – uh, I think Georgia is the better team. I think they're the more talented team. But at the same time, when I look at TCU's offense, I see a good passing attack, and Georgia has not had good pass defense recently. I also see a mobile quarterback. And just historically, it just feels like Georgia's always had trouble with a quarterback that can run. So I think that there are a lot of things that I'm worried about um, going into this game. Um, and, and so I – I'm, I'm really torn in a lot of ways because I, I think there's part of me that's like, ah, we got this. It's TCU. We got this. But at the same time, I'm looking at it going, no, guys, I don't know. You know, but, you know, like I, like I say, I, I am a Georgia sports fan. And it's not just, you know, the Bulldogs, but the Braves and the Falcons. And so I kind of tend to look for the disappointment. And uh, so, I, so I, I don't know. I, I really am struggling to get a feel for this one. Gotcha. Do you have a, a, a ballpark score ish that you think it might be? Um, I think I, well, I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking probably 41, 38, Georgia. I, I, I think Georgia's going to win. I think it's going to be very high scoring and I, and I, but I don't think Georgia's going to cover. I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than as Lee Corso would say, a lot closer than the experts think. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, Matt. Uh, first off, on a personal note, uh, it makes me so angry that Georgia has a chance to win another national championship. Um, you know, 
this completely blows the whole it was 40 years ago when you won your last one argument it's completely off the table now <laughs> um so that was gone last year it's completely new now um as far as the game goes i i have a hard time imagining georgia losing this game um the Big 12, like we said, has looked a lot better during the postseason than they have previously. Uh, but I just uh, – I don't know. I honestly don't know. They they managed to get past Michigan. Um, they lost in overtime to KSU, who got blown up by Bama, who lost to hmm. – you can't use the commu- – what is it, transitive property? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't use the transitive property on this particular prediction. Um, you know, TCU's looked good. They've got the all the different little – things that could work out for him but i just and georgia georgia has had the breaks break their way uh a lot this season mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if this is the game where the breaks don't break <sighs> I, I i'm 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 kind of with jason here i keep going back and forth thinking it can go one way it can go this way it can go that way and uh i i think i'm gonna have to go with the horn frogs I think. Okay. I think I haven't written it down yet. Hold <laughs> on, I gotta pull it back up. I somehow close that tab. Do I want to go that route? You know what? Yes, I'm gonna go with the Horn Frogs. I'm gonna say this comes down to the wire, a late touchdown, late field goal sort of situation uh, gets them out front. And TC, I think, I don't think TCU's ever won a national championship, have they? Um, I don't know. I will, I I will look that up. I will look that up while you go through your spiel if, in just a second, Wes. If they have, uh, it's been a long time. It's been a really long time. So I'm going to go ahead and put my prediction down as TCU 48-45. And God help me, because that's probably going to be completely wrong. But <laughs> I hope it's wrong. <laughs> I, I, I hope it's right, but that's just me. Um, yeah. Wes, what about you? Where are you where are you sitting on this thing? Well, you know, uh, Jason, as you were as you were talking, um, I uh, you know got a little lump in my throat as I was thinking about uh, you know, uh, you know, I had, I had never you know seen uh, you know the the dogs never got a championship um, and kind of in the same same as you, um, I I was a little kid when uh, when the Braves won their uh, their first uh, their World Series in '95. Uh, I remember it. Uh, I remember jumping around the living room. Uh, but it obviously, you know, it's uh, a lot more uh, cool to watch uh, as an adult and appreciate it more and things like that. Uh, Matt, I feel like um, when, you know, in, in back in 98, I, you know, I know it's been been a minute, but um, I, I feel like you were also kind of old enough to appreciate that and enjoy it and all that good stuff. Um, and I really didn't have that until uh, last year. Um, so it is kind of cool to, to have the opportunity again. Uh, you know, obviously, um, I, I hope things go well, but I, I think key to this one for Georgia is basically uh, what I've said for Tennessee, LSU, and Ohio State. I think uh, the, the keys to success are, are kind of the same for all of those for Georgia. Key is to get pressure on the quarterback mm-hmm. and rattle him. The sacks would be nice, but at least we want to knock Duggan around a bit, force him to make throws he doesn't want to. Uh, Georgia was able to do this against Tennessee and even get some coverage sacks, which was kind of a bonus then. Uh, but the uh, the defense really struggled against LSU and Ohio State. Uh, the pressure just didn't get home as much as we wanted to, and the secondary got torched, and that's just all it amounts to. you, you got to get that pressure uh, to take the uh, the uh, the pressure off of the secondary. Uh, Max Duggan's another quality quarterback who's very effective at running the ball when he needs to. Uh, thought the same about C.J. Stroud. Uh, obviously, he's a great passer. 
uh, uh, but uh, you know, you know, ran the ball when he needed to, and, and that really, really got us uh, as well, um, and uh, contributed to their success uh, greatly. So, um, I am concerned that we might see uh, more of the same, especially with how uh, mobile Duggan is. Um, if there's one thing that consoles me a bit, it's knowing that Michigan scored 39 points in the second mm-hmm. half of their last game. Uh, it seems like the consensus is that Georgia's offensive line will be able to uh, control the line of scrimmage more and more as the evening goes along as well. So that kind of bodes well, I hope. Uh, that encouraged uh, me uh, because, as we all know, uh, most of these big games uh, are decided at the line of scrimmage, especially uh, if you can start uh, gouging the opposing defense with big runs consistently. Um, another thing uh, that probably won't get talked about, uh, but I hope the Georgia coaching staff is playing it up uh, as much as they can, is the fact that uh, last week in a press conference, um, oh gosh, um, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Sonny Dykes. I don't know what his name just disappeared. Um, he uh, made some uh, some comments. He took a jab at the uh, SEC's schedule as a whole, uh, <laughs> saying, saying uh, in the – in the Big 12, we don't have the good fortune to play an out-of-conference like the uh, SEC does in Week 10. You're not going to catch the Citadel in Week 10. We caught Texas. That's just kind of the way our league is designed. You have to – you got to be on your best. It takes a toll on your team. It's difficult to get through that gauntlet of nine consecutive conference games, and we were beat up. Look, I get it. He's, he's bragging on his team, right, as, as he should. Um but it's absolutely bulletin board material that I hope uh, that they uh, they take advantage of. Um, after the defensive debacle at the Peach Bowl, I don't think uh, I'll ever say I'm absolutely confident, but uh, I, I do think that the offensive line is able to control the pace of the game and the defense is able to do enough uh, to get it done. I'm going to go with the dogs uh, 41 to 28. So... We'll see how that goes. So um, definitely looking forward to uh, watching it. Um, you know, it's gonna, it should be a, should be a good game, I think uh, either way. So, um, and then uh, real Wes, quick, let me, let me ask you a yeah. personal question. Do you bark? I, I don't think I've ever heard you bark. I have, and I do at, at games typically, but I'm not one of, I mean, cause that's, you know, it's a collective thing, you know, every, every team, not every, for all of your fan base. Every, <laughs> Every team, every team has that thing that you say at the kickoff, right? And it creates this, uh, you know, sonically impressive sound and all that stuff. And it's, it's cool. Um, so yeah, I, I do it there. Uh, but I'm not one of those who, you know, I find you in the parking lot and I'm like, Hey Matt, guess what? Go dogs. No, I'm not that guy. So we would not be friends. I'm not that, I'm not that guy, pal. Anyway. Hey um, Wes, this year I got on, uh, gone the uh, Jacksonville news barking. So oh, did you? you? Know. Yes, nice. I did. Nice. nice. So that was, was that pregame at the yeah pregame at tailgate. Real, okay, yeah. real quick aside. Um, I hate this game's being played in California. Yeah. Because why in the world are we playing a game in California? Like the they're the California folks don't give a rat's rear end about college football. We've established that. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. I just it seems perverse not to play this game in, you know, in in the Superdome in New Orleans play this game at the Rose Bowl. Well, I guess the Rose Bowl kind of the Rose Bowl is really fun this year, by the way. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just being a fuddy duddy, but it just, hmm. it feels wrong to be playing this game in a big corporate stadium out West. I mean, um, it's uh, you know, funds and uh, you know, 
things like that, right? Uh, bidding, I, I assume, uh, and impressive facilities also. So I, th I think that's what it's all kind of built around. Um, all right, so why don't you uh, introduce us, Matt, to uh, the Just for Fun segment for this week? Okay, so for our Just for Fun segment, we're going to pretend that we can roll the picture back just a hair. We're going to uh, pick a team to insert into the playoff to cause mass chaos. Because we've seen a couple teams in the bowl season that have really kind of showed out. And um, and I think I think I already know what mine is, but I was curious. If you were going to pick somebody to throw into the playoff and just to see how they would do, and just to see if they could cause chaos, who would it be? Um, Jason, why don't you go first? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I will say my first, my very first thought was North Dakota State. Oh. <laughs> They're playing for the FCS title for – like the what, 11th time in 12 years or something yeah, they're, stupid. They're always in the mix for that one. Yeah, so that, that was my first thought. Um, but at, for realistic, you know, um, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, you had we had some some good games and some, you know, not so good. So I, I'll go with North Dakota State. That'll be my pick. Good pick. I like that pick. You know, I, I don't, I don't have an exciting one and a fun, a fun outside the box one because it really, if you if you ask me, I'm going to be boring and I'm going to say like on Alabama, if you look at what they did against Kansas State, mm -hmm. I think it shows mm -hmm. that they can they can still cause some havoc. So that's that, my answer. That was that was my other pick aside from the one I'm going to say here in second West was, I think if you throw if you go to an eight team or twelve team playoff, I think the way that Bama showed out in in their bowl game would show that Bama would be dangerous. I think Tennessee would have been another team that would have been dangerous if you had a, po a true postseason playoff picture. But the team that I think would cause the most chaos, that caused a little bit of chaos uh, in their bowl game would be Tulane. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Tulane is one of the big stories coming out of, uh, out of the um, postseason with these bowl games. This is a team that was not supposed to be good this year. They went two and ten last year, and then they turned around this year and went ten and two, uh, winning their conference and and beating. I think was it USC they beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was USC. So I mean that's that's that is something. Um, you know, in a very exciting game. In a very exciting game, win the Cotton Bowl like that. Uh, this is again another reason why we need a actual dedicated playoff picture. Um, so you can get teams like Tulane a chance to kind of say, okay, guys, you want to get in? Here's the deep end of the pool. Jump on in. It's like when we what we used to play with UCF when um, was it 2018, 2019, 2017? Right. When they were bouncing around saying we're national champions, we beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Uh, okay, let's see how you stack up when you play somebody really good. Um, and USC won 11 games this season. They were no slouch. So yeah. Tulane would have been my pick. And Tulane with one of the coolest, uh, you know, mascots of all time. <laughs> the, they're, yeah. they're a charter member of the SEC. Did you know? That? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's they true. left the conference in like 1963, I think it was, because they were tired of getting the rear ends kicked by Kentucky and Tennessee and, and Bama and all of them. I don't yeah. know why Vanderbilt's still here. <laughs> I How'd think, their bowl game go? Oh, I, right. About uh, as good as uh, Auburn's did. So, uh, and, yeah. and, uh, A&M's. So, and uh, anyway, um, I think we're, I think we're stuck with Vandy. So, um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, exciting stuff. Uh, appreciate you guys listening to this, uh, bowl recap, uh, slash national championship preview episode. 
Um, if you would like to contact us, please do so. Uh, you can email us at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. We are also at Pigskins and Pageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we are at PPSCC Podcast on Twitter. Don't forget we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and uh, most podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. Uh, we're also on uh, Amazon Music and uh, uh, iHeartRadio as well. Uh, check us out there. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please take a moment, subscribe, uh, give us a review, five stars. We'd love that. Increase visibility. Uh, help us to uh, reach a uh, wider audience. We appreciate that. Uh, until next time, uh, this is Wes. Go dogs. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, uh, just, hey, guys, thank you for having me. I had a great time, and go dogs, sick them. No barking? No barking. For the barking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. Uh, yeah, guys, way to wrap up the season. Bowl season, a lot of fun. Don't forget the techno toad. Oh, no. No. Oh, wait. Let me off. wait. No, don't stop it yet. Wait. It, ah! No. Ah, there's the no, hypno toad. There he is. There he <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, with that being said, go balls. <laughs>